Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, I'm going to begin reading at verse 14, and I'm going to read down through verse 40, or 34. Acts 16 and verse 14. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. When she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. It was a demonic spirit. When our master saw that their hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers, brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans." And the multitude rode up together against them, and the magistrates rent their, off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, Immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set before them, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So I titled the message tonight, it's kind of building on what we looked at last week, probably this will be a conclusion to this, but anyway, what does it mean to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight. Thank you that we have all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, and thank you, Father, for a complete revelation of thyself that gives us understanding uh, into uh, into salvation and uh, what it means to live uh, a life, a Christian life. So, Father, just pray that you'd help us, uh, give us wisdom and understanding and open hearts to receive the truth and uh, that we would be uh, better equipped to be witnesses and testimonies uh, for our Lord Jesus Christ. We do pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You know, there are many that think that if you believe in Jesus, they are automatically going to heaven. Uh, I remember when we started the church, Pastor Green and I went up north of, up close to Franklin in some way. There was this guy who, who um, he was on the internet. I don't know how, how Pastor Green got in contact with him. But anyway, we went up to see him. And we had quite a lengthy discussion with him. He had a lot of books and things, and you know, and he had stuff he'd written, articles he'd written about the the Baptist covenant, which is Southern Baptist um, statement of faith. And but anyway, basically, what he his his belief was that if if you believe in Jesus, then you are saved. And uh, you know, I remember. For Brian asked him, well, what about Luke 13? Two times Jesus said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. And, and so it was just to him a mind thing. And, and you know, when we were leaving, uh, he said something to me, and I said, well, I'm an evangelist. I was an evangelist at the time, taking evangelistic meetings. He said, well, you, you must have led thousands to Christ. I said, no, I haven't. Um, and so if you were to ask most people if they believe in Jesus, they would answer yes. But that is, is that all that's required for salvation? What does believe, as it's used in the Bible, even here in this passage, mean? The word believe means it's defined as use especially of the faith which, by which a man embraces Jesus, i.e. a conviction full of joyful trust that Jesus is the Messiah. That's where the word, the name Christ comes in. That, that means Messiah. The divinely appointed author of eternal salvation in the kingdom of God co-joined or linked or united to with obedience to Christ. So what that definition gives us is that we, that we have to believe something about Christ. And we also, it, it, it's linked to or united to that there's an obedience that, that uh, comes along or that is produced with our relationship or our believing in Jesus Christ. And, you know, Bible words are very, very important. And uh, uh, it's important that we, again, this is what preaching is supposed to do, explain the, the meaning of words and explain what, how the scriptures apply to life. But, but, but I really only have two points tonight, as you see, and then some sub-points. But first of all, if, if we are, you know, believing on Christ, biblical salvation is we must believe on not in. There's a difference. It's not just in. It's on. The Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll find that over and over throughout the scriptures, the Bible uses this terminology. In fact, it only makes reference to an in a couple times. And, and then in those places, it's, it's talking mostly about um, the resurrection or something to that effect. And, and the context would, would take care of the rest of it. But but for example, John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John 6.29, Jesus answered said unto, them, said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him that, whom he has sent. John 7.39, This spake he the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Notice again, believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Then John 9, Jesus speaking to the blind man whom he healed, 
35 and 36 says, Jesus heard the dead cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Philippians 1.29, For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And then 1 John 3.23, This is the command, his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave commandment. And of course, there are many others. But the word on, it's a little word, but again, words are important. It means so as to be or remain or supported by or suspended from. So what is our support of our salvation? What are we depended or, or supported by? Of course, that foundation is, our, is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's faith in Christ. Again, verse 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou, but thou shalt be saved. Now, the word in, if you were to, to substitute in all these passages the word in, the word in, as defined in the English language, used to indicate inclusion within something abstract or immaterial. Now, if something's abstract, it's thought of apart from concrete realities. In other words, that's not a concrete reality. It's apart from that. The word immaterial means of no essential consequence. Unimportant, not pertinent. Is, not, is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ of no essential consequence? Well, that's what the world would like us to believe, that all faiths are the same. They're of no consequence. There's no really no... I mean, you know, people like uh, Billy Graham and all these have said for years... Of course, he's not saying that now, but it's said for years that, you know, that uh, people of other faiths, and even people that never heard of Jesus, and I'll give you a read your quote here a little later, you know, Billy Graham said that even people that never heard of Jesus are somehow in the family of God. So, therefore, you know, Jesus is no consequence, no distinction. Uh, no, one must believe, you know, one, of course, one must believe in him before you can believe on him. You must believe that he is. But, you know, James 2.19 says the devils believe and tremble. And again, here the word believe means it denotes a mere acknowledgement of his existence. They acknowledge. They know he's the Lord. They know they're going to have to suffer a torment. They know that what, what's, what they're facing, but it's a near, mere acknowledgement. Uh, in John chapter... Two. That's supposed to be chapter 2. Go to John chapter 2 uh, and verse 23. John chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. This is, this is after the first miracle which Jesus did at Cana of Galilee. And it, he, it says this. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the feast of... At the Passover in the feast day, many believed in, notice here it is, believed in his name. When they saw the miracles which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And he need not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Now, here it says they believed in his name, but what did they believe concerning him? Well, they believed, and I believe this is what they believed, they believed he was a miracle working prophet. Look at verse 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? In other words, he, he, had, he had just cleansed the temple. 
and drove out the money changers. All right, what sign you show us seeing you do these things? And he said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll build it. And he said, well, you know, Solomon was how long building this temple? You know, this, this 40 years this temple was in building. Of course, Herod built this one, this, this temple there. And you're going to build it up in three days? Of course, he was talking about his body. He wasn't talking about the literal temple. Uh, which verse 21 tells us. But then again in verse 23 it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. So they believed he was a miracle-working prophet. So was Moses. So was Elijah. Paul did miracles too. Acts chapter 19, verse 11, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. We know Peter did. Peter and John did miracles. So if he's just a miracle-working prophet, he's really of really no consequence. Because there's been lots of miracle-working prophets. In fact, Revelation 19, verse 20 tells us, The beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him. So the false prophet is going to do miracles. Lots of false prophets do miracles. In John chapter 3, again, Nicodemus, there was a man of the Pharisees, verse 1, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, notice this, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do those, these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. In other words, and notice the interesting thing here. He didn't say, I know. He said, we know. Now, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin knew that he was come from God. They understood that much. Because of the miracles that he did, for, you know, again, no man can do these miracles except God be with him. We know, we know, you, we know you come for God. But again, they knew he came from God, but so John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, I'm a man sent from God. So was Moses. Moses was a man sent from God. You know, God sent prophets. God sent prophets throughout the Old Testament. They were men sent from God to prophesy to the nation of Israel. Jonah was a man sent from God to go to Nineveh. You know, maybe this is why it's so easy for Roman Catholics, for people to be deceived into thinking the Pope sent from God. And that he speaks in place of, in the place of Christ. He's the vicar of Christ, quote unquote, is what they say. I agree with what one guy said. He's not the vicar of Christ. He's the vicar of hell. You know, you know these, these, there were others sent from God, but that doesn't mean really anything. You see... We can't just, it isn't just believe in, we have to believe on him. Notice Jesus answered him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, Nicodemus, you believing that I'm a man sent from God will not save you. That's what he's telling him. You have to, be, you have, to have a new birth. So we have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. On. Secondly, we must believe I know this sounds repetition, 
but believe on, and here's the emphasis, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, the Bible is very specific. And notice the, the, the whole, he, he gives, the, gives the full name of our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and it's, again, very important that we understand that. Uh, so, and you notice, I want you to notice again, verse 31, they, they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his house straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Now, you know, they, not only did they tell him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, they, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord. So they didn't, they, it, he didn't just get saved by, by their answer there, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. No, they spoke unto him the word of the Lord. In other words, they gave him more instructions than just verse 31 before he got saved. Now, of course, this is the verse that a lot of Independent Baptists like to use to say you don't have to repent. But let me ask you something. Notice what verse 33 says. He took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized. He and all his house straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Now, so he, he, they spake unto them the word of the Lord. He washed their stripes. He, he was baptized in his house. Of course, we know that salvation is a prerequisite for baptism. And then it says in verse 34, he brought them into his house and fed them. Now, who put them or who commanded or brought them and put them in prison? wasn't the jailer. They were brought to the prison, and the jailer was given a command concerning these men, and he thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So he's the one that thrust them in. Now he has freed them, and by so doing, is aligning himself with them at the risk of his own freedom. Because he is going against what he had been commanded by the magistrates to do. Now, I got a question. Is he doing works meet for repentance? Yeah, he is. He's showing. He's showing that he has changed his mind. And he has changed his direction. He's not even siding with the magistrates anymore. He's siding with Paul and Silas. See, he has changed families. He has changed teams, if you will. He has, he has reversed his direction. That's repentance. There's a complete change. And again, I want you to think about this. He, he, had, he had been commanded. Notice verse 24. The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran out their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast him into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. 
And he brings them to his house. He gives them meat. He didn't take them back to jail. You see, this man had repented. John 4, 20, 40, 42, again, it says, and said unto the woman, Jesus speaking, uh, the, the, you're speaking concerning the Samaritan woman, the Samaritans, now we believe, not because of the saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Again, the definition of the word believe, a conviction full of joyful trust that Jesus is the Messiah. These Samaritans believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. The divinely appointed offer of eternal salvation. So, we, have to believe, we are to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to define what this means for us. First of all, the, word, the name Lord. The definition of the, of the name Lord is he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has the power of deciding. One who has control of that person. You know, we, we, the, another word that's used that's synonymous sometimes interchangeably with the word Lord is master. A slave master. You know, a slave has no rights. None. Paul said, Ephesians 4.1, I therefore the prison of the Lord. He called himself the servant of the Lord. And that word servant is a bond slave. Now this was a, this was a, a slavery of choice. But he had made himself a slave, a willing, a willing slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, and he had made the Lord his Lord. And there is only one Lord. John 6, 68, Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Lord, you are the Lord. You are the Lord. There's no other Lord beside you. In Acts 10, 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. So, and then in Acts 17, 24, Paul says, God that made the world and all things therein, see that he that is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. This he was speaking to those at Athens, and he's saying that he is Lord of heaven and he is Lord of earth. There's only one Lord, and he, if you're going to trust in him, he has to be the only Lord. Revelation 17, 14. These shall make war with the Lamb and shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So, you know, when, when a person receives Christ as Savior, they're receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Romans 10, what's used many times to lead a person to Christ, verse, verse uh, Romans 10 9 and 10, if thou shalt confess thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If he isn't, if you aren't willing to recognize him as the Lord of the heaven and earth, as the only Lord, is he the Lord Jesus Christ? If there are other Lords? And see, repentance means... A, true, a person that truly repents will, will uh, uh, 
allow Him to be Lord of their life. Uh, Luke 6.46, Jesus said, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? See, too many want salvation, but they don't want a Lord. They don't want a Lord. I want a Lord. It's my life. I can live the way I want. I mean, yeah, I believe in Jesus as my Savior, but I, you know, I, it's my life. You know what that is? That's a sign of an unrepentant heart. Because Colossians 3, 4 says, when Christ who is our life, he's our life. He's everything. Salvation is a life. It's not a, it's not a time and a place where I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. It's not just a time and a place. It's a life. It's a life. So, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus. Secondly, Jesus. Jesus, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The word, the, the name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation or Savior. Uh, and again, Matthew one twenty one says, And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So, so the, the name Jesus means, again, Savior. Joshua is the Old Testament equivalent. In fact, in Hebrews 4.8, there's a reference that says, For if Jesus had given them rest. See, Jesus is the New Testament equivalent to Joshua. And... And they're using our chain, and that's that word named Jesus there is referring to Joshua. So this was his name given him at his coming into the world through the virgin birth. But to use this name alone, again, can mean that he's just a man. You know, a lot of TV preachers, they talk a lot about Jesus, but they don't talk a lot about the Lord or the Christ. Because those are very distinguishing marks. Now, this one is just as important. Because he had to become a man to die for man's sin. I'm not minimizing that he was a man. Or this name, Jesus. But you know, he's a, his name is a, if you will, a package deal. You can't leave one out and have the whole person. You know, if we were, again, if we're just going to use this name alone, then he's just another wearable working prophet like Moses. And that's what the Muslims say he is. He's just a great prophet. And, of course, the reason they listed the Muhammad is because he was a more recent prophet. So th- this, this name speaks of his humanity, and he became a man to die for man. Romans 5, Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Romans 5:12 through 15 says, "Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for all that have sinned. So by a man came sin, of course we know that was Adam, through Adam. Verse 13, for under the law until the law sin was in the world, but it was not sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come." But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man. Here's here's the man, Jesus 
Christ, the God-man, hath abounded unto many. Was it 1 Timothy 2.5 or 2 Timothy 2.5? I think it's 2 Timothy 2.5. Um, so there's one meteor between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. And of course, Christ speaks of, of him being Messiah. But, but see, so he is, he is a man. He, he was a man, he is a man. He still is a man. When he comes, he's going to be a man, a glorified man. And we're going to be glorified men and women with him. And so, you know, again, we, we have to understand that, that, he, that you know, his humanity is important as well as his deity, that he is Lord, that he is Christ. Because it took a man. A body hast thou prepared him, Hebrews 10 says. So we have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word Christ, the name Christ, I'm sorry, means anointed. Or we might say consecrated. It's, it's a name, uh, an Old, a New Testament name for Messiah. In uh, John chapter 1 and, and verse 41, when uh, Andrew uh, went and found his brother Peter, this is what he said to him. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. You know, there's a lot of people. Was it um, Sung Young Moon? So you probably heard of the Moonies. They, they were, when I was a teenager, I'm trying to remember if it was just one year. I guess it was one year, our FFA from from our high school, went to the farm show in Harrisburg. And we rode all the way down there in an old school bus. That's quite a trip. But anyway, and uh, I remember down there at the farm show that year, there was these people running around giving out records. Tell them a little bit dated. Records and literature. And they would often try and uh, catch up with you in like the staircase. The, the farm show building is like three stories, and so there'd be these staircases when you go from one story to the next and see exhibits and, and so on. And, and, and they'd often co- try and corner you in there and give you uh, some literature, and, and I think there were records. And we figured out they were the Moonies. I didn't know anything about the Moonies then. But I learned then later that Sung Young Moon, who started the Moonies, that he declared himself to be the third Christ. No. No. Andrew says here that he is the Christ. It's only one Christ. Only one Christ. Psalm 2, 2 says, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel against, together against the Lord and against his anointed. And that's, that's what the name Christ means. Anointed, say, in Mark chapter 16, not Mark, Matthew 16 and 16 and then verse 20, in, when Jesus asked his disciples, Whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In verse 20 it says, Then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. In other words, I am the anointed, I am the consecrated, I am the chosen of God to be the Savior of the world. 
John 17, 3, this is the life eternal, that they, may, they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, who I am sent. Now, the Apostle John gets very specific in, in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, and verses 2 through 3, and in fact, in, throughout his epistles, First uh, John 4, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of, are of God, because many false prophets are going out in the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. And then in chapter 5, and verse 1, Whoso believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone that beloveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. And then in 2 John, verse 7, he said, For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. For command unto you, and bring not this doctrine, neither receive him not in your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. And I think when he's referring to the house there, I think he's referring to the church. You don't allow these people in the church that will not confess that Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed. In other words, he is the acceptable, the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. He is the chosen sacrifice for sin. And, and so, you know, the fact that you know this, this is that Jesus is Christ is vital. It's the difference between true salvation and false profession. In fact, go to Acts chapter eighteen. Acts chapter eighteen. This has a way of separating the men from the boys, so to speak. Acts chapter eighteen. Paul's at Corinth, and he's reasoning with the Jews. In verse four. He says this, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. When Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And notice what happens in verse 6. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. See, they're all, okay, reasoning. You know, to reason means to converse, to argue, to debate. That's what they were doing. About the things of God. But when Paul testified that Jesus was the Christ, they weren't willing to debate that. See, they weren't willing to debate that. And they opposed him. See, they were all right with Jesus being a miracle working prophet. They're all right with him being a good man and a good teacher. You know, a lot of people say, well, he was just a good teacher. I guess, you know, a lot of people say that about Confucius, too. You know, I had some good teachers in high school, I had some good teachers since I've been in the ministry. But those good teachers don't save me. And they can't save me. 
And they are not the Lord Jesus Christ. They're just men. You know, and the word believe is used a lot in John's gospel. And in John 20, 31, he says this. He concludes his gospel with this. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That word believing, believing actually is an action word that keeps on acting. It, it speaks of continuous action. And again, if you go back to our definition of the word believe, it's co-joined with obedience to Christ. Or united with. See, too many just preach about the Bible. I said this, uh, I think it was last Thursday night, and I was giving the differences between fundamentalists and independent Baptists. Problem is, a lot of independent Baptists are guilty of that too. But too many, uh, too many just preach about the Bible and about about Jesus, and not the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ. See. Most preaching about Jesus doesn't bother most people. Billy Graham preached a lot about Jesus and about God. So is Joel Osteen. Well, he don't mention him very much, but, you know. And people weren't bothered by that. And as long as Paul did not identify who Jesus was, truly is, to the Jews, he was okay. But as soon as he identified him as the Christ, they opposed him. Because, see, that brings consequences. It brings a distinction. You know, we need to ask ourselves, so, so you know, who is he? You know, it, this, to, to, to speak, to preach Jesus is to preach a crucified life. Matthew chapter 10. And this is what Jesus spoke about, and these are the things that, that people resist. Matthew 10, verse 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And people say, I don't want to lose my life. I don't want to give up my life. You give up your life and he'll give you real life. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to give you real life. But it only comes when you give him, when you trust him as your Lord, Jesus Christ. So is he just a historical figure, a great prophet, a powerful miracle worker, or an escape from the consequences of my sin from hell? Is that all he is? Is he just a fire escape? I'm afraid to too many people that's what he is. Does it matter what I believe? Yeah, it does can make the difference between heaven or hell. A life lived for God or a life lived in rebellion against God. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, in the context here, of course, he talked about the narrow and the straight way. And in verse 20, he says, Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? 
Thy name have cast out devils, and I named on many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto you them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who will build a house upon a rock. And you know the rest of the story. So Jesus, the Bible is telling us here that, you know, it's more than just saying, Lord, Lord. It's, it's putting our dependence co-joined with obedience. That's what true repentance is. Accepting all of God's truth. You know, and again, I believe when a person gets saved, they won't necessarily understand all of God's truth. But if they're truly born again, they truly repent of their sin, they'll accept the truth as they learn it. You know, Jesus said in John 8, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You know, there is growth. If you continue... So, you know, if are we to accept that simply believing in Jesus saves as Billy Graham and the Catholics? I mean, if, if that is true, the Catholics, the Mormons, the JWs all say that they believe in Jesus. And then we conclude that probably half the world is saved. See, this philosophy, this is where it leads. This is an interview with Billy Graham and Larry King, 2000, April 1st, 2005. Uh, Graham, quote, I appreciate the opportunity of saying a word about the Pope. He has been the greatest moral and spiritual leader of the last hundred years, unquote. I've been to see him several times. I was preaching in Krakow in his cathedral as his guest at the time he was in Rome being made Pope. I don't know anybody else that I could put as high as he is. He's traveled the whole world giving his version of the gospel and spreading the Catholic faith. I was with him three times at the Vatican and on one occasion I asked him to pray for me, which he did. He is the leader, spiritual and moral of our generation. Unquote. This was an interview with Robert Schuler of Crystal Cathedral back in May 31st, 1997, and this is the exact transcript. Schuler, quote, tell me what do you think of the future is the future of Christianity? Unquote. Graham, quote, well, Christianity and being a true believer, you know, I think there's a body of Christ. This comes from all the Christian groups around the world, outside the Christian groups. Unquote. Let me stop right there. How do you have Christian groups around the world and have Christian groups outside the Christian groups? Quote, I think everybody that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they are conscious of it or not, they're members of the body of Christ. And I don't think we're going to see a great sweeping revival that will turn the whole world to Christ at any time. I think James answered that, the Apostle James in his first council in Jerusalem, when he said that God's purpose for this age is to call out a people for his name. That's what God is doing today. He's calling people out of the world for his name. Whether they come from, you ready for this? The Muslim world, or the Buddhist world, or the Christian world, or the non-believing world, 
They might not even know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts that they need something that they don't have, and they turn to the only light that they have, and I think that they are saved, and that's they're going to be with us in heaven. Unquote. Schuler, who loved that answer, said this, quote, What? What I hear you saying, that it's possible for Jesus Christ to come into human hearts and soul and life, even if they've been in darkness and have never had exposure to the Bible, is that a correct interpretation of what you're saying? Unquote. Graham, quote, yes it is, because I believe that. I've met people in various parts of the world in tribal situations that have, they have never seen a Bible or heard about a Bible and never heard of Jesus, but they believed in their hearts that there was a God. And they've tried to live a life that was quite apart from the surrounding community in which they lived. Unquote. So in other words, if you believe in your heart that there is a God, you're a Christian. That's what Billy Graham taught. That's not what the Bible teaches. There is one God and one mediatory God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You know, if this is true, then it would be also true what Barack Obama said during his presidency to defend Muslim holy war, that the Christians waged holy war in the Crusades. And see, a lot of people don't know how to refute that because they don't understand what Bible Christianity is. The Catholic Church is not Christian. They're apostates. They're a world religion or a cult. Because they believe in a work salvation. Now, they believe in Jesus. They believe in Jesus as the Son of God. They believe in God the Father. They believe in God the Son. They believe there's a Holy Spirit. They believe in the virgin birth. They believe that the Word of God is inspired. But they also believe the writings of the church they would say, are not equal, but they are of equal importance. And of course, the Pope can speak ex-cathedral, meaning he can give new revelation. Of course, the Mormons, you know, if you ask a Mormon, I've talked to a Mormon, Mormon quite at length, while my wife is getting her, her wisdom tooth worked on, and, and if you ask them, they believe in Jesus Christ as, a, as their Savior. But I began to dig a little deeper and raise some questions. Of course, they believe in a, the Book of Mormon, and then there's another book. And I said, well, the problem with that is the Bible says the prophets are subject to the prophets. Meaning, if the prophets speak... Not according to this world word, there is no light in them. And the angel Moroni and Joseph Smith do not speak according to this book. You know, again, if this is true, the heretics that the Catholics killed during the Dark Ages... ...were heretics... You know who those heretics were? People like you and I who said that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Not good works. Can't be added to it. 
so on and so forth. You see, it is important that we understand what it is we need to believe. You know, salvation is not only based upon faith, it's based upon knowledge. You know, John said again, in John chapter 20, verse 30, 31, These are written, that you might believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John, 1 John 5, 13, These things I have written in you, believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know. So all these things are written so that we can know, have knowledge of. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> verse 38 and 39. Hebrews 10, 38 and 39 says this. Now the just shall live by faith. In other words, we get saved by faith and we continue to live by faith. And that faith is believing or trusting or depending upon the Lord, Jesus Christ. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them which believe to the saving of the soul. So Paul said, I believe Paul was a writer of this, and I believe under, under inspiration, what he's saying is, there are some who hear the gospel, and as the parable says, the parable sower, they maybe even with joy receive it. But by and by they are offended. And then they draw back. They draw back. And that's what was happening in Hebrews. They were drawing back. They were drawing away. You know, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you might suffer. No, if you draw back, he says, so there are those who draw back under perdition. That's, that's judgment. That's condemnation. They turned away. They heard the truth. You know, the Pharisees heard the truth. They knew who he was. But they drew back. So, you know, Paul's telling us here, there are those that believe to the saving of the soul, and there are those who believe, no, but not to the saving of the soul. Like the devils, they believe and tremble. See, Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. So we have to believe that he is. That he does, you know, that he is. That he is a person. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, to diligently seek him means to search him out. To really to investigate. You know, that's what Nicodemus was starting to do in John chapter 3. Nicodemus was starting to search out, who is this guy? And you know, Nicodemus later on, I think it's in John chapter 7, when they were saying about, you know, trying to, to, to decide what to do with Jesus. And, and Nicodemus says, can you condemn a man until he's tried? You know what Nicodemus was starting to do? He's starting to think, you know, I believe this Jesus is more than just a miracle worker. I'm beginning to think he's the Messiah. He's starting to stand up for him. And they answered him. Messiah isn't coming out of Galilee. And they all went home. He didn't come out of Galilee. And I believe Nicodemus found that out 
Because when Jesus was crucified, he came with Joseph of Arimathea and helped bury our Lord Jesus Christ. See, he, had, he was beginning to search him out, to seek out, who is this one? I want to know. You know, John chapter 6, there was some of the disciples who, you know, Jesus said, you eat my flesh, and, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life, you have no part in me. And, of course, many of his disciples went back. And, the Bible says many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And, and, and it means those who favored him, they were Jews, who favored him, they had joined his party, they had became adherents, they became followers of him. But you know what they did? They drew back under perdition. Uh, we didn't sign up for this part. You know, he says, when you, when you, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I believe what he's referring to there is, I'm your life. I'm your Lord. And except you take up your cross and follow me. Speaking of a crucified life, a death to self. And they were saying, nah, we're not doing that. And so they turned around. Jesus turned around to the twelve, says, Will you go away also? And Peter said, To whom? Lord, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You see, we can't modify the gospel to suit ourselves. If we do, it will not give us eternal life. So it is important what we believe. You see, again, it can make a difference between heaven and hell. Doug Hammett said this, When you have faith that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross of Calvary, it becomes something that will order your life for the rest of your days. You will act on that truth. You will count on that truth of the fact that he died as your substitute. Therefore, you live in such a way that every decision from here on out is going to be made with that fact in mind. Your attitude is, Lord, you died for me. You bought me with a price. I belong to you. What do you want me to do? Every decision of life now comes under the scrutiny of God who loved you enough to die for your sins. He becomes the owner of your life. And that's what Paul wrote to the, to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 20. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, as a preacher friend of mine often said, we Christians have no rights. Because when we got saved, we gave up our rights to our Lord Jesus Christ. So is he your Lord Jesus Christ? Or is he just a fire escape? Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the truth of your word. I pray, Father, you help us to seriously consider it. Give us wisdom and understanding. And Father, we live in an area where many, where, that has been saturated with this philosophy. 
I pray that you give us wisdom in trying to help people to understand it's more than just believing in a historical figure or a good miracle worker or just a fire escape and the consequences of our sin. It is the, he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we become His servants. We are to submit to Him. Receive Him as Lord and as Savior. So give us wisdom. Help us to be good witnesses for you in declaring Thy truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.